This episode is sponsored by ByHeart. And I feel like I need to preface what I'm going to say with this. I'm a huge advocate of breastfeeding. Anyone who knows me well knows that nursing is something I believe in. And all five of our biological children were breastfed until they were 19 to 23 months old. However, we also have fostered and adopted, and I've been so grateful for formula companies in those situations. I'm also grateful for formula companies because our last two biological children, I really struggled with my supply and did all the things, spent so much time and effort, and just was never able to produce enough for them to be able to gain weight and not be hungry. And so I was so grateful for companies like Byheart. Byheart is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, Byheart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. They're made with certified clean ingredients. It has no soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast with code crystal for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. So go to byheart.com forward slash podcast and use crystal to get your welcome offer. Welcome to the Crystal Pain Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get to where you want to go. Now, let's get a cup of tea and spend a few minutes together. Here's your host, wife, mother of three, and entrepreneur, Crystal Payne. Welcome to another episode of the Crystal Pain Show. Before we dive into some things that Jesse and I want to talk about, I just wanted to give you a little heads up that today's interview is a bit on the heavy side, as in we're tackling the topic, well, not tackling, but we are talking about foster care. And I think it's really important. And I just ask you that every single one of you, whether you have any interest in foster care at all that you will take the time to listen to the short interview with my friend, Fran Maynard. I just have been so inspired by her life. And even if foster care is not something that you ever feel like you will be called to, I think that her story is going to encourage you to think of areas in your life where you can step out in faith, step out outside your comfort zone, and step out and do things that scare you that might end up changing your life in really profound ways. But before we dive into that, Jesse and I had a lot of things that we wanted to share because the last few weeks we haven't gotten to just really do our intro section. And we have to bring a review that was left on the iTunes app. If y'all don't know, you can go to the iTunes app and leave a review. Now, if you're gonna, if you don't like this show, don't leave a review. I mean, you can say whatever you want, but if you like the show, we'd love for you to leave a review and maybe you could even try to one up this review that was left by Kelly Denton. And I don't know Kelly, but Kelly, I want to know you because this was an incredible review. And those of you who have been listening in for a number of episodes are going to be pretty impressed with her word usage. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. But you weren't impressed with my word usage. (laughs) 
Okay. Do you want to read this? Since no, it has no, big go words. Ahead. Go and, ahead. Yeah. I want to hear if you can pronounce it. All right. So here is what Kelly said. I've been a faithful follower of Crystal's blog for 10 years. So I was so excited when she announced she would be starting a podcast. She is gifted in the practical areas of time management, budgeting, and life hacking. So the podcast is a natural confluence of her established blog and published works, not to mention the refreshing inclusion of a male perspective, her husband, Jesse. Thank you. Crystal is so gracious and balanced, never expressing opinions in a pejorative aspect. I can hardly do this without laughing. (laughs) Thank you, Crystal, for sharing your wisdom and being real about it. Now, if you are brand new to the podcast, that is not going to be funny to you. But if you've been listening for a while, she hit it out of the park with this and we got a big kick out of it. And so if someone else wants to go and write another review to try to one-up Kelly, we would welcome that. But thank you, Kelly, for making our day with your review. As I was prepping for this podcast, I have to share that I not only have a book that I want to tell you about that I really loved reading recently, but Jesse inspired me to start listening to the Killing Lincoln audiobook because that was the one that, how many weeks did you read that for? <laughs> Way too long. We heard about yeah. it a lot. Yeah, we did. Many, and many weeks. I, I was listening to you listen to it and I was like, wow, she's pretty far in already. <laughs> I am... I'm over halfway. I just hit the over halfway um, part, but it's only actually, I was surprised. It's only eight hours long total. Actually, I think a little less. Okay. That makes me feel really bad. (laughs) I think Bill O'Reilly, he is the one who actually narrates his audiobook because he's the author. He talks really fast because a lot of audiobooks, I can listen to them on 1.5 or 1.75. His, I can listen to it on 1.25, just barely. That's almost too fast for me. So he talks, he talks really fast. He talks fast. So that is probably someone else. It might be 12 hours long, but for him, it was only eight. Or so 24, <laughs> 24 <laughs> months. Anyway, I am really, I don't know if enjoy is the word, but I'm learning a lot of history. What are you doing? Dropping things over there? That's my sunglasses. Wearing your sunglasses into... I was taking my hat off and my sunglasses were on my hat. Okay, getting all serious here. I am learning a lot of things about just historical facts leading up to that and also the time frame. I guess I've never thought of it kind mm-hmm. of in the time frame of what was going on in the U.S. at that time. Yeah. It, it, it just it, really brings it alive. It's chock full. I mean, it is so dense when it comes to facts and it's i'm very impressed i'm looking forward to reading some of his other books to see how he does that say with the kennedy assassination or i think the reagan assassination just looking forward to it yeah and um libby that's the app that i'm listening to it um on which is the app that i always use for my audiobooks because it's free from the library but um they also have killing Kennedy. So I want to listen to that next because I'm, I'm really, really enjoying it. I, I don't think that Bill O'Reilly is a great narrator, but it's decent enough that mm-hmm. you can really get into it. And, but the Reagan was an assassination attempt and not an assassination. Yes. But isn't it called killing? Killing oh, Reagan. I, I think it was Kennedy. Did I say Reagan? No, I said I had referred to oh, you were, Reagan as a future book. You were yes. correcting yourself. That's yes. right. Sometimes you're back on the other conversation. <laughs> 
two conversations ago. (laughs) Okay. The book that I wanted to tell you about that I just finished listening to is called Dear Bob and Sue, and it is a series of letters that a couple wrote um, to Bob and Sue, who are not fictional characters. They were their friends, but um, they wrote them, I think actually they were emails. Um, I listened to the book, so I can't tell you for sure. But anyway, they wrote these letters telling about their visits to all 58 at that time when they wrote the book, 58 U.S. national parks. And there are now 61, but at that time there were 58. And um, they're the U.S. national parks. Not There are a lot of like U.S. state parks and U.S. historic sites and all that. I think there are over maybe 200 or something. Don't quote me on that. The ones that are I regist- will quote you on that. registered, but there are actually only 61 U.S. National Park. So they visited all 58 and they chronicle their journey and they are funny. They are sarcastic and they go back and forth and um, write the letters different. She will write some of them and then he writes some and they are poking fun at each other. And the more that you listen to it, the more that it goes on, the funnier it gets because they're calling back to different things that they've said. Do they ever write any letters talking about the same things just from different perspectives? They do that a little bit. Yes. And so that's always interesting. So it made me want to go visit all the national parks, which is funny that a book of letters about visiting national parks would be interesting, but it really was. I don't know if I read it, if I would find it so interesting, but listening to it made it really interesting. Especially in the different narrators' voices, it would be. It was well narrated because they had professional narrators. And um, so anyway, I was going to recommend that. I guess they have a follow-up, two follow-up books. And I went and looked at their website and um, they have all their pictures from when they took pictures in front of the signs and and all of that. So it was just fun to, Hmm. it was just, it, it really inspired me to want to visit these national parks. And that's not something that has ever been on my bucket list. Yeah. I also wanted to talk about my eye mask. That's what's saving my life this week or this month or this year. We bought eye mask really for our international flights. When we went to South Africa, that was on the recommended list. You know, the first time I was going to fly internationally, they're like, bring an eye mask. And so I bought them for that, used them on international flights, but didn't Mm -hmm. ever really think of using them on a regular basis when I'm sleeping. But I have really found them to be helpful, especially right now when the (laughs) sun is coming up so early in the Nashville area and it's summer already here. Our kids are officially out as of today, Today. but two were out earlier this week. And so now I can finally sleep in a little bit. And so I want to be able to, but when the sun is just bursting through the windows. I mean, I suppose we could get blackout shades or Mm -hmm. something, but it's just really nice to use an eye mask. I don't use it every single night, but especially when I'm traveling or anytime I think I'm just going to have a little trouble sleeping or want to Mm -hmm. make sure that I'm sleeping longer, I've found that it really helps me sleep better. Does the one that you use affect your eyes? It doesn't. So I have very sensitive skin and I found this particular one that we'll link to in the show notes that it doesn't break out my skin. Although I will say you want to make sure that you have washed well, not you, but yeah, I need a particular sure person will want to. <laughs> person. Women who wear makeup, <laughs> I suppose that's not something. There are men that wear makeup now. Anyway. Well, yeah. I mean, people just, on TV and. If you wear makeup, <laughs> people who wear makeup will want to wash the makeup off because if you have any on your face and for someone like me who has sensitive skin and you wear the eye mask, it will break my skin out. And also if I wear it every single day, it will kind of cause some 
abrasion. Is that, I don't know. What like an eczema? Uh, yeah, just a little bit on my face. So I don't wear it every night, but um, I highly recommend it, especially if you have um, trouble sleeping or light bothers you. It's like you go in your own little world. Mm-hmm. Speaking of summer, I also wanted to mention that we are doing something this summer. We are calling it a 100 days of summer fun. I decided as our kids were getting ready to get off school that we needed some kind of challenge for the summer. It's mostly for me because I'm not naturally a fun mom. Um, I'm not naturally a mom who's like, let's go to the park. Let's go have a family basketball game. Let's go take a walk. Let's go do this. I That's not, when I think of like something to do, I'm really boring. It's like, let's watch a movie together. And we can get in this rut of kind of that's what we do, which is there's nothing wrong with that. But I wanted to challenge myself to get out of those ruts this summer and do something fun. So we have um, started the 100 Days of Summer Fun Family Challenge. And we are every single day doing something all together as a family. We've done a family basketball game, a family walked at Sonic. We've done a family wiffle ball game. We went to Fort Negley. We've done a, a game night. And I'm excited to see how this plays out over the summer, but we are chronicling all of it on Instagram. So I'm posting every day what we're doing. And there's a hashtag 100 days of summer fun. So if you want to join in, you can post on Instagram or Facebook, tag me, use the hashtag. I'd love to see your photos and your videos. And I hope that what I share on Instagram just inspires you. If you're someone like me who isn't naturally wired in this way to do these things, that it might inspire you to just make family fun a priority this summer. And if you're not following me on Instagram, I'm the money saving mom on Instagram. And I would love for you to follow me there. I do stories all throughout the day, most every day, and you just never quite know what I might be talking about. And I share lots of freebies and grocery store trips and just a little peek behind the scenes into our life. I'm so honored to be joined by one of my local friends today. Fran Maynard is a wife and mom of three biological kids and one beautiful foster daughter. Fran and I actually got to know each other when our families were in community group together at our church for a few years. And then we got even closer this past year as she and I co-led a small group through the discipleship program at our church. And if you're curious what the discipleship program is, last week on the podcast, we had our pastor, Eric, and we talked all about the discipleship program. So during the past two years, I have gotten to have a front row seat watching Fran and her husband, Paul, feel the call to foster care. I've seen them walk through the months of training and interviews required to be accepted as foster parents in our area, and then I've watched them step out in faith and open up their home as foster parents. And I just have to say that my heart has been so stirred as I have seen how this process has brought their family closer together. It's stretched them. It's grown them, and ultimately, it has changed their lives in such a profound way. And I've asked Fran to come on the podcast today to share some of her story because it's impacted me so deeply that I just was like, I have to share this with you all. More people need to hear her story. So thank you, Fran, so much for being willing to come and share this really heartfelt kind of heart-wrenching story, but that God has done so much through your family. And I know that your heart for fostering was really born out of your own upbringing. Can you share with us just a little bit of your childhood? Sure. Thank you, Crystal. 
I come from a broken home. Um, my parents both were drug addicts, and they, until I was five years old, just couldn't break free from from that world. Mm. Um, not something they chose. They were stuck in it. Um, they needed help to just get their lives back on track. And my grandparents stepped in and took me in as a five-year-old little girl, opened their home to me. Um, so I had a safe place as my parents were able to get the help that they needed to, um, again, one day take me back into their homes. Mm. And so do you feel like that experience was what led you to foster care or do you feel like it was something else? That definitely played a part in it. I always thought one day I wanted to open my home just as my grandparents did to me. But truly, I think what played a big part in my husband and I opening our home to foster children was seeing it played out. We had some friends back in South Florida that by all means, they had three children. Their world was comfortable. They were busy. They were not expecting to do what they did. And they brought in and opened their home to foster kids. And we as a family, uh, my husband and I and our children got to see this played out in real life. And we saw the um, ups and downs and the beauty and the brokenness played out before us. They were very close friends of ours. And that was probably the the big thing that stayed in our minds and hearts for a long time. They have adopted one of their children mm-hmm. that they fostered. And so we um, now get to even see him and just the, the love and grace that has been born of them opening their homes to foster care. And so you saw this lived out and it kind of deeply impacted you. And so when did you know, okay, we want to actually step out and do this ourselves? So because of my past, I had to have, um, I had to go through some healing myself, really welcomed the Lord into um, helping me become free from so much of my shame and hurt. And that had to happen first for me anyway. I know everyone's situation is different. And so once I had some healing and was able to then open my hands and extend out, we prayed and I went to my husband and we talked about missions and we talked about going here and going there because I was ready to go somewhere and to serve (laughs) somehow. And he's like, well, how about we serve here where Mm. we are? So we prayed and prayed and prayed until one day we felt the Lord leading us to foster care in our own backyard, in our own home, in our own community. And that's really how it how it began for, for our family. So talk to me about you decide to, you know, step into this thing. Did you have a lot of fear? We were fearful. It's definitely the unknown. Um, we said, okay, well, we're just going to take the next step. We'll mm-hmm. sign up for the classes. We will find out more about the need here. We will just do the next step that God is calling us to and trust that He will provide where we are when we get there. Mm-hmm. And so each step of the way, He has provided, and we took the classes and just continue to walk forward in that. 
And I know you were initially envisioning that you were going to foster a few children and they'd come and go. And that's not really how it turned out, is it? (laughs) No. So they will ask, you know, do you plan to adopt? Do you plan to foster just to foster? And we, again, not knowing personally in our own lives what this looked like, we said we're going to foster with the hopes of reunifying families together. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of times that happens and that is a beautiful, um, sometimes painful process. Mm -hmm. Every situation is so different. Our situation may lend itself to adoption. Mm -hmm. And so um, that is something the Lord didn't show us at the very beginning, slowly but surely, um, step by step, he's opened our eyes and things have unfolded the way they did. But yeah, you you don't know with foster care. Mm-hmm. What you do know is that there's a child that needs a home. There is a baby that needs to be held. Mm. There are kids that want to have a safe place to go to. There's no answers when you ask because each case is so different. Each child is so different. And so the what you do know overrides the unknown because God calls you to open your heart for these orphans. Mm. And we are so thankful we have. What has surprised you the most about this? What surprised us the most probably is how our family has reacted to it, how the community has mm. reacted to it. When we first welcomed this little girl into our house, our kids were doing everything they could to help her, to love on her, to care for her. Mm. Our community was beyond resourceful. They Mm. came over with meals and they came over with clothing. They came over and prayed. They come alongside us in more ways than we could have ever dreamed or imagined We did not know that was going to happen. Mm -hmm. God provided above and beyond our wildest dreams and in more ways than we could have known was even the need was met before we even knew the need was there. Mm. Well, I think it was for all of us to just see you all stepping out in faith and it was so powerful. And we just like wanted to be a part of this, you know, and I think that it's you have inspired so many people by your willingness to be obedient and to Mm -hmm. do this thing that was scary and that had so many unknowns. I just remember you got multiple calls and had to pray, you know, okay, God, which, what are we supposed to say yes to? Because you can't say yes to all the children, but you knew that God was calling you to say yes to someone. Mm -hmm. And um, for you, what has been the hardest part of this? I think the hardest part with, um, foster care, a lot of times is the unknown. So you don't know if it's forever. Mm-hmm. You don't know if it's for a few months. Um, they can tell you what they think and you'll hear bits and pieces. You have to trust that God is over the big picture because the child that you're caring for, their future is not in your hands per mm-hmm. se. You're trusting the workers that are working for your child. You're trusting the people that are set in place for your child. And that's that's difficult. Um, I think because we are a faith-based family, we 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 pray and we trust that God has her no matter if she ends up with us forever, 
or if it's for a few months Mm -hmm. and knowing that our prayers will be with her long-term. And what has been, or what have been some of the most beautiful parts of it? Definitely some of the most beautiful parts of it have been seeing our children grow their hearts, open their hearts, expand their hearts in ways that we couldn't, we would have missed. We would have Mm. not seen. We see their love grow and, um, not always to each other, <laughs> but to this child that mm-hmm. um, wouldn't have had a home to go to or would have been a different home, mm-hmm. um, we would have missed seeing this. And it has been so beautiful. I get to see my husband be patient with her as she has some fears mm-hmm. um, towards men. We've seen that change. Mm-hmm. We see a smile in her eyes. We see a glow in her. We look at her and tell her that she is valued and of worth and that she belongs and that she is beautiful. We get to tell her all the things that she deserves to hear. Mm. And I can't imagine not being able to say that, not Mm. her not hearing those things that she should be able to hear. Mm. And I think the thing that has really deeply impacted me watching you walk through this and seeing then this passion that you've developed for foster care and for these children. And I think I didn't recognize the need. I think we live in a community where you there's a lot of wealth and there's people live very comfortable lives and you just assume, well, there's probably not a lot of need in our area, but you've opened up my eyes to the great need. And can you just talk about that? Because I think a lot of people don't realize. Yes. um, Every area is different. I wouldn't have known that there was a great need. We didn't know, and that's not why we stepped forward. We just stepped forward because we wanted to be the hands and feet. Mm -hmm. And when we did step forward, we realized once our names were put on the list to be called, that there was and is a great need. Walking into your home today, we got a phone call for two teens to be placed. So every area is different, but there is such a need. And the sad thing is, is they can't tell you it. You wouldn't know unless you see foster families in your area or you're a foster family, Mm -hmm. because then you get the phone calls. Then you hear that there are children that need a home, a safe home, comfortable home to be in. And it's even in where we are, it's a great need. And so for those who are listening, who they're, they're feeling like, "I, I want to do something, but they have a lot of fear. They feel like I couldn't just up and change my life to do this. And yet maybe they're feeling this stir in their hearts. I'd love for you to speak to those fears that they might have and how you've you know, I know you've talked to a lot of different families and who have seen a lot of different things and been fostering for a long time. And so what encouragement and words of wisdom would you have for someone who they feel that stir in their heart that maybe God is calling them to this, but they're just scared? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We were definitely scared. And for many years, we came alongside the family that we saw fostering. 
whether it's caring for their children for a weekend or um, bringing a meal to someone who you see doing foster care, really getting involved um, with those families that are, are currently doing is helpful. Even providing respite care for them, which is where you take in maybe one of their foster children for a short period of time, can allow your family to adjust and to see how your family would act and react to that. There's also just coming alongside, you can take the classes and find out through, for here, they're called path classes, but every area, they might be called something different. Um, You'll learn a lot in those classes, finding out if this would be a fit for your family. And again, if it's if it's not fostering, if that's if you're not ready to jump there yet, I would just say that coming alongside someone that you know that's currently doing it is a great way to get your family involved, asking how you can support them, meals, clothing, childcare, really just reaching out to those people because it's it's a lot. Your life does change and it changes drastically. I would do it again in a heartbeat, but it's, it's, you need a community around you. Like this past weekend, we saw a friend of ours who already has five children and she said yes to a phone call that was, um, they were trying to place a sibling set of seven. Mm. She knew it would be short term, but she took them in just knowing they took them in knowing that they wanted them, the siblings to stay together at least for the weekend to get clothed and fed and clean. But she said that she said yes, because she knew people would show up the next day and support Mm. her. And so the community rallied around her. These foster families that are currently doing this need people to come alongside them and help them and support them so that they can say yes. And it was such a beautiful thing. I got to bring Two of my daughters, two of my daughters, I got to bring my daughters and it was for, it was just an hour and Mm -hmm. just to, but to just get to show up. And it was such this beautiful outpouring of people coming alongside, you know, there were suitcases that had been dropped off and clothes, new clothes for these children and women working in the kitchen and, you know, people taking care of babies. And it was, somebody was out doing the lawn. I didn't even know. I thought, I think somebody's, you know, coming over to do yard work, these things that you don't think of. You know, but it's like for the community to come alongside this family and say, you know, you're saying yes to this, this big thing, you know, 12 children in your home for the weekend. And yet they came alongside and were so helpful. And it just, to me, I was like, I want to do more of this. You know, I want to do more of this and allow my children to have this opportunity to, they live pretty comfortable lives, Mm -hmm. you know, and I, I want them to get to be the hands and feet of Jesus and help others and step into, you know, there was a little bit of a language barrier with some of the kids and, you know, but they were able to play games and it was just this beautiful thing. And I was like, this is the gospel lived out in our local community. We don't Mm -hmm. have to go across the world. We don't have to go, you know, far away to be missionaries in our local community to these kids who need it and are just desperate for love. Mm -hmm. They just want to know, like you were talking about, that they're seen and that they're valued and that they have worth because that's not 
what has necessarily been spoken over them and they don't believe that about themselves. And it's just so powerful to see you doing that. And I know you've been able to reach out to some teens and you've been able to walk with them and just really love on them as well. And um, so I just want to thank you so much for stepping out and being faithful and how it's impacted my life. And I feel like the ripple effect Mm -hmm. of your obedience is impacting so many lives. And I know for my children, when you first brought your daughter to church and they were just, they got in the car afterwards and they said, mom, she doesn't have a home. Like it just struck them this really profound way of recognizing this need right in our community that she didn't have a home and a family who were caring for her. And they just were like, what can we do? We need to do something. This is not okay. And so I just, I think that living that out in the ripple effect that it's going to have in so many families in your children's lives and in so many other people's lives, thank you so much. And I know that there are people listening who are saying, okay, well, where do we get started? Where would we even find foster families who we could come alongside? And what, how would people go about doing that? I would say... Just talking to friends, start talking about it, start asking around. You might be surprised at what you already know and don't realize you know. Mm -hmm. You probably know some friends that may be doing this. Again, like you were saying, Crystal, it's not always, we're not aware that it's here. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not um, something we often talk about. And so um, locally, wherever you are, you can go to that government website, would be able to Mm -hmm. connect you. Um, local churches would be able to connect you. Mm-hmm. And then just word of mouth, truly just asking around and, hey, do you know a foster family that maybe we could help out? Probably your your friends and family would be your best connection at that point. So I just, I'm excited for what God has for you in your future, because it's been really amazing for me to get to watch you this last year. I feel like it's it started with just, it was going to be in your home, that you were going to open up your home. But I feel like your heart has expanded well beyond the borders of your home. And now you have this passion mm-hmm. for foster care and this need and for these children and so I just, I'm excited for what God is going to do in you and through you and f- through your family and through this beautiful girl that is in your home and that God has allowed you to walk alongside and advocate for. And so thank you so much for being faithful and being obedient and impacting so many people in the process. Thank you. As always, if you have any question on any topic you'd love for Jesse and I to answer on a future episode, or you just have feedback or suggestions, or you'd love for us to change something or do something different, we love to hear from you. We love your emails. And so you can send an email to crystal at moneysavingmom.com. Thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of The Crystal Pain Show. Have a great week. And remember, you can't always choose your circumstances, but you can always choose your attitude. Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com. 